Hello and welcome to Diving Into Diabetes, the podcast where we explore the latest advances and best practices on individualized diabetes care. I'm your host, Dr. Ron Goldenberg, and with me on the program today is Dr. Tade Badalino. He's a professor at the University of Ljubljana in the beautiful city of Ljubljana in Slovenia, uh, head of the Department of Pediatric and Adolescent Endocrinology at UMC uh, Ljubljana. And important and related to today's discussion, uh, he led the international consensus on time and range in 2019, and most recently was the PI on the in-range uh, trial. So welcome uh, and thanks for joining us, Dr. Badalino. Thank you very much for the invitation and hello to everybody that's listening to us. So our topic today is prime time for in-range Glargine U300 versus Degladec in type 1 diabetes. Uh, the background to this story is that CGM parameters such as time and range and coefficient of variation are really emerging as important uh, parameters that help in the management of diabetes. At the same time, we know that second generation basal analogs such as Glargine U300 and insulin Degladec uh, offer benefits over first generation analogs such as less hypoglycemia, especially nocturnal hypoglycemia, and in some studies, uh, less glycemic variability. But up until very recently, there was actually very little randomized clinical trial data in type 1 diabetes comparing these two second generation basal analogs, especially using CGM as uh, outcome. So Dr. Badalino, before we discuss the in-range trial, uh, perhaps you can describe to our uh, audience why time and range and coefficient of variation are important in diabetes management and what will be the targets for these measures for most of our patients with type 1 diabetes? What actually happens is that when we only use glucose average as expressed by glycated hemoglobin A1c, we actually miss a lot of important information that we need in order to improve glycemic outcomes, particularly information on how this person with a certain average actually has his or her daily glucose excursions. We well know that higher glucose variability is directly related to hypoglycemia and severe hypoglycemia. And this important message for daily management of diabetes is completely hidden within the single number of glycated hemoglobin A1c. The time in range actually tells you the percentage of time your glucose is in between 70 and 180 milligram per deciliter. And the consensus thought that this percentage should be 70% or more. And this is based on the calculated fact that this roughly equals a mean glucose as represented of an A1C of 7%. So it's easier to actually transition from the old now outgoing measure of glycated hemoglobin A1c towards the time in range. Importantly, time in range should always be accompanied by the time below range. So what we want in our daily management is more time in range and less time below range. 
time below range is time below 70 and should be below 4% of the total daily time. And then we have another measure, which is time below 54, which is of course clinically relevant hypoglycemia. And this should be below 1% or 15 minutes per day. If these two targets are actually fulfilled, then automatically also glucose variability target is fulfilled because glucose variability as, as stated previously is directly related to time below range. And with these two targets, people with diabetes can intuitively manage their glycemia throughout the day. For instance, if they realize on their monitor that at midday, the time in range is only 60% of the time and the time below range was higher, they still have half a day to improve this and basically can proactively manage their diabetes, not based on a retrospective number that they get when they visit the healthcare professional and it represents approximately three months ago what was happening. But the time in range this very day, this very moment, with the possibility to improve the same day and day by day, of course, also the long-term management and outcomes. Excellent. Thank you for that summary. And by the way, on behalf of our listeners, thank you for your leadership on the international uh, consensus on time and range uh, that has taken off and is being used by healthcare providers uh, around the uh, world. Uh, in Canada, we use millimoles per liter rather than milligrams per deciliter. So for our listeners, I'll just say that uh, the goal range for time and range is the percent in the 3.9 to 10 millimole per liter range. So that's the, you want 70% or more for most patients in that range. And CGM is recommended in Diabetes Canada guidelines and ADA guidelines for uh, patients with type 1 diabetes treated with multiple daily injections or uh, even uh, insulin pumps. Uh, so with that, let's move on. And uh, there was this beautiful presentation that you participated in at the ATTD meeting at the end of uh, uh, April. And this was a, a nice head-to-head -head trial of the two second generation basal analogs in type one diabetes using CGM as the major outcomes. So Dr. Badalino, can you briefly describe to our audience the design of the in-range trial. Yes, so the in-range trial was a 12-week multi-center randomized active controlled parallel group open label study that included a population of individuals, adult individuals with type 1 diabetes and 343 were included with an A1C in between seven and 10 on multiple daily injections. And those were then randomized to, to, for the basal insulin to either Glargin 300 or Degludec 100. And interestingly, or perhaps even importantly, the insulin was administered in the morning in this particular trial. And then we had a blinded CGM of, of 20 days taken initially, so before the randomization as a, as a baseline evaluation, and before the end of the trial, again, a 20-day blinded CGM, and the Dexcom G6 was used as the sensor. And the primary outcome was defined as non-inferiority in between 
the two insulins as evaluated by the time in range. And then there were secondary outcome, main secondary, which was coefficient of variation. So glucose variability, again, in between these two second generation insulin analogs. This is a brief description actually of the trial. During the trial, of course, there was an eight week uh, titration or insulin initiation, titration. And then of course, in between eight and 12, it was as said previously, the final evaluation with a blinded CGM. Okay, uh, very good uh, description, uh, nice, nice design. Uh, I, I like the fact that the CGM is blinded personally because uh, uh, if it's unblinded, other behaviors could be influenced and uh, affect the results. Whereas when it's blinded, it's purely the difference of the insulin. I think that's uh, being uh, uh, discovered. And uh, so tell us what were the main results of the primary outcome and uh, uh, some of the uh, secondary outcomes as well. So perhaps the, the most important outcome is that the non-inferiority in between the two insulins as expressed through time in range, so through the percent of time in range for both insulins was proven with a very high significance. And also the second, the main secondary endpoint, which is coefficient of variation in between the two insulins was non-inferior also with a very high significance. Perhaps the clinically important outcome was that in both groups with both insulins, there was a very visible improvement in glycemic control. But yet, of course, the final time in range was still in the mid fifties. So below the recommended target, of course, because as you mentioned, these individuals used a blinded CGM. So they couldn't really reach the benefits of an open CGM. So they could use it for the management. It was purely for the evaluation of the two insulins. And then finally, the hypoglycemia profiles and severe hypoglycemia profiles, which were evaluated in a classical way as required by the Food and Drug Administration with SBGM, actually were exactly comparable in between the two second generation based analogs. No difference whatsoever. Similarly, also for all adverse events that were collected, no differences in between the two second generation analogs, Glargin 300 or Degludec 100. So I guess overall, uh, similar to what they found in type two diabetes studies, these second generation analogs seem more similar than different in the in-range trial. Uh, you mentioned hypoglycemic episodes. Uh, what about time below range? Should they find any differences there? It is, it is an interesting question. There were no significant differences because those uh, categories were already in the tertiary or exploratory part of the analysis. So no uh, statistical testing was performed. But then when you, when you check with, with, the, with the mean or the median and with the confidence intervals, you easily see that there are no major differences in time below range or time above range. Perhaps during the day, there was a slightly lower, uh, lower glycemic values with the insulin Degludec that compared to insulin Glargin 300, 
But then it was also true for the hypoglycemic ranges. One can nuance if, if, if one wants what we saw, but in a statistically correct way, the only thing we can actually say is that there is no differences in between the two. Great. So a great summary of the trial. And my understanding is that the uh, in-range trial is really the first randomized trial head-to-head -head of these two second-generation basal analogs using time and range as the primary outcome. So certainly this adds to the uh, building story around these two second-generation basal analogs. So let's finish up. And can you tell our listeners what you think the overall clinical implications are of the in-range uh, trial related to the management of type 1 diabetes? I think that for a practicing clinician like myself, probably the major message is that those second generation insulin analogs work very well in type 1 diabetes in a safe way, as this trial clearly demonstrated. The second thing is that now we have really really solid proof that they are both very comparable. So our individuals with diabetes have a choice, basically, of which one, for several reasons, they may want to use, providing that both are available and covered by the insurance system. And finally, that the, the coefficient of variation actually was low, which also means, or lower, I should say, which also means that the risk of hypoglycemia is less, which I think is the third important message with this particular trial. And yes, it's the first trial that I think quite courageously decided to have the time in range as the primary outcome for a non-inferiority comparison between two medicines used in diabetes. Thank you very much. I think we've uh, summarized the data for in range quite uh, nicely and put it in the context of uh, managing type 1 diabetes, especially using CGM parameters. Hopefully more studies in the future will uh, look at CGM outcomes as the important outcomes as we move away from A1C, which, uh, as you mentioned, does have uh, some uh, concerns or issues about an overall assessment around uh, glycemia. Top line message, I, I think, and we've known even before in range that there are compelling reasons to consider second generation analogs like Glargine U300 or insulin Degladec over the first generation basal analogs. Uh, we know that patients can do quite well using these second generation uh, analogs and uh, beyond the in range trial and extrapolating this to the real world. I think if patients actively used CGM in conjunction with second generation uh, analogs and bolus insulin in type 1 diabetes, they would probably obtain even better results than you saw in the in-range trial, because we know from many trials that adding CGM to MDI does provide clinical benefits. So thank you very much for joining us and to our listeners. Thanks for listening to the Diving Into Diabetes podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the in-range uh, trial and time in range as an outcome. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, and stay tuned for new releases.